0: Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae, proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Did you sleep well last night? What does that even mean? The way we sleep has dramatically changed. We have apps that track our sleep, screens, watches, white noise, tablets to sleep, tablets to stay awake. Katie Coveney is a senior lecturer in sociology at Loughborough University in the UK. She's a medical sociologist with expertise in social and ethical aspects of medicine and healthcare. She's also the author of Techno Sleep: Frontiers, Fictions, Futures, a book that examines the relationship between sleep and technology. She joins me now. You're very welcome uh, to the program, Katie. Um, when we think about, uh, you know, how we sleep compared to you know, our our ancestors, even just 100 years ago, there's a huge change in the landscape and the environment in which we try and find our rest.
1: Yeah. So, hi, Jonathan. Thanks for welcoming me to this show. And yeah, so that's what we were kind of exploring in our book, Techno Sleep. So, in a way sleep and technology have always kind of been part of one another. Technology has always been a part of how we sleep. If you think back to, you know, even cave dwellers had fire, which is going to impact on sleep, and then the advent of electric lights and the first sedative hypnotics were introduced in kind of the 1880s. So sleep technology has been around for a long time. But as you said, what seems to be happening today and what we're arguing in the book is that this intensity of new sleep technology relationships, that intensity seems to be really increasing. And there's lots of sleep tech around today that is, you know, changing our relationships with sleep and our understandings of sleep, our expectations about what good sleep is. So there's some of the themes that we we uh, explore in the
0: book. Do we know what good sleep is?
1: I think that's such a tricky question. What is good sleep? Um, in a sense, that's uh, very subjective. I think. So if you wake up feeling refreshed, is that you've had good sleep? Um, so that's one of the things that I was particularly interested in, in, in doing some research for the book. So um, I tracked my sleep for about a year as part of the research for the book. And we write, I write about that in one of the chapters.
0: That's and did it. you find like a there was yeah. a correlation between how you felt and the the number of deep sleep cycles that you had, for example?
1: Yeah, so um, so I wore a, a smartwatch anyway, so my sleep was being tracked anyway. And when we decided to to do this project, I thought I'm going to really have a look at this this sleep data, and I was really interested in that. I wanted to see how sleep tracking felt and what it meant to me um, and how this data impacted on me. If there was that kind of correlation there between what my sleep tracker was telling me and um, how I actually felt when I woke up in the morning. So I'll just say I tracked my sleep um, from the summer of 2020 to the summer of 2020 2021. 20, uh, Um, which was when we were all in lockdown and the COVID pandemic was going on. Um, So there was lots of things impacting on my sleep as well Mm. at the time. I also had a new baby, so my sleep was (laughs) very turbulent. (laughs) Um, um, One of the things that did surprise me was when I was tracking my sleep um, and I was seeing those numbers around sleep quality, how long I slept for and so forth, I did want to get better sleep. I wanted my numbers to be higher because, as you can expect, with a new baby, they, they weren't that great. Um, but at the same time, I really didn't trust or believe my sleep data. So my device kept telling me that my sleep was OK. It was never good. It was never great, but it was OK. But I felt awful a lot of the time when I woke up in the morning. I felt quite terrible. I'd been awake all night. And I used to get quite annoyed at that, at that kind of disjuncture <laughs> between the numbers and how I actually felt the next day.
0: So what, do, what does the science tell us? What do we need to get? And, and are there technologies that we can employ today, whether it's, um, you know, uh a, a, a sort of piece of hardware, or or drugs, or or what is it? What what do we need to get that sleep, and what do we get from it?
1: Um, so there's there's quite a few interesting technologies around on the horizon at the moment that kind of promise to be able to help us to sleep better. Um, lots of the sleep science points towards having things like um, you've probably heard of sleep hygiene, so having a a nice. No. Okay, so there's principles around sleep hygiene that have been around for quite a long time saying, you know, having a a good sleep environment is is very important to get good sleep. So having blackout blinds on your windows, for example, having a nice dark room, having a, a quiet space, having that time for interrupted sleep, giving yourself enough time. In bed to get sleep, so having that downtime, um, not watching TV before you go to bed, reducing blue light expo- exposure. So there's lots of things that you can do to try and get um, better sleep that are quite you know mundane and are not expensive and not you're not necessarily cutting edge or anything. But as a sociologist. I really regard sleep as a social practice. And this was something that became obviously more and more apparent to me when I was tracking my, my own sleep as well, is that, you know, sleep has this huge relational aspect to it. There's lots of reasons why people don't sleep well. And lots of this is to do with our relationships with other people. So, if you've got a partner who snores, that can interrupt your sleep. If you're like me, you've got young children who wake you up during the night. Um, if you have other family members, there's lots of us that care for our elderly fam- family members now during the night or have phone calls during the night regarding care that wake us up. Loads of people have pets, dogs who sleep in their room with them. Yeah. So, you know, noisy neighbors, busy streets, airplanes going over. So, there's loads of things that are completely outside of our control that are disturbing our sleep, they're shaping our sleep routines. And it's really difficult to change those things.
0: Are there no that you, technologies that you came across that help mitigate those things? Because obviously some people can't change where they live. They might live, on a, live in a busy street or they might work the night shift and so on. Uh, are there uh, are there technology companies working on finding a way to help their brain get the rest it needs?
1: So there's some, some really interesting examples of things that are being developed at the moment um particularly for people that don't sleep very well um so there's lots of people with sleep disorders for various reasons um so sleeping pills have been around for a long time um and they've more recently been joined by wakefulness promoting drugs or alertness promoting medications so i don't know if you're familiar with with any of those
0: modafinil and and Ritalin, which are kind of taken off label by a lot of people right i mean um yeah You found this in in Loughborough University, isn't it right?
1: There was a study. There was a study at Loughborough University. Um, I wasn't actually involved in in that study, but it was um, looking at modafinil and how it's been used by students. And there's been actually lots of studies across the whole of Europe, across the world, looking at students in particular as a population that might be taking this particular drug as a study drug. But also how people might take sleeping pills and wakefulness promoting pills in combination with each other Gosh. to to optimize their sleep wake cycles. It sounds of-
0: to me like something like something from 2008. And I know people balk at the idea of using um, drugs to to get the you know to get sleep when in an ideal world you know you you just fall into this um, perfectly quiet room that's dark and you have eight hours to sleep. Um, you, I understand the motivations for people, but it, it, I, I, as we've touched. On it, it is important to point out that, um, you know, uh, modafinil, the, the, the details on it are sketchy as to whether or not it improves um, your wakefulness or if it's, it, you know, we don't really know in terms of long term taking it to stay awake and then taking a sleeping pill to, to go to sleep it doesn't sound like the best uh, approach to, to getting healthy sleep
1: yeah exactly and i mean i've done a lot of research on modafinil in particular over the past few years looking at people's perceptions their opinions around it around this idea of would you take medication to alter your sleep wake cycle to fit around your work for example and um, most people are not interested in that yeah. most people you <laughs> know they don't want to be doing that so what we found is that the people that are are taking these medications that would like you say i think it's important to say this is outside of medical authority it's outside of kind of advice this this is not what they've been developed for mm. they've been developed for treating sleep disorders but people are taking them in times of crisis like time crisis um, which can come actually again and again and again for people like students around exam periods for example so using them to skip a couple of nights sleep and then catch up on sleep after your exam and things oh
0: god begin.
1: it doesn't like what st- are
0: we doing to students that they have to do that is is my question um yeah what about uh the the technologies that are waking us up at so-called optimal time so um people might be aware of the sleep cycle that we have: deep sleep, we've REM sleep, and so on. And that um, uh, if you're woken up at the at the right time in that cycle, it's supposed to make you feel more refreshed. Supposedly, um, is is the science pretty strong in that area? And and is that something that we should be investigating?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting one, and I think that's quite an accessible technology to most people. So most people with a smartphone will have something. Um, around that on there now yeah. so sleep tracking um, technologies are becoming embedded in lots of things we have around us smart watches smart speakers we might have them in our bedrooms already um, and it's quite interesting to me that even if you don't track your sleep these devices are tracking your sleep passively so if you have a smart speaker by your bedside table it quite likely has that technology embedded in it and it will know when things in your home shut down and quieten down, and when you're in bed, um, so you know, giving you that personalised sleep score if you decide to check in on it, that that information is there if you have that technology already, um, and you know, the things like the smart alarm waking you up at um, in the part of your optimal part of your sleep cycle, so you feel more refreshed. There are studies around that to show that you know that that is probably a benefit for people. But again, when I try to do that myself, I, I'm on such a tight schedule, especially if I've got to get my children up into school or something. I don't have that extra five, 10 minutes in the morning to wait for my alarm to yeah. wake up. And if it wakes me up five, 10 minutes before I want to get up, I'm quite annoyed at that. I quite like, <laughs> yeah. quite like my sleep
0: too. I kind of know where you're coming from. Um there are um other companies developing sort of pajamas with sensors and uh, and care robots that monitor you while you sleep um uh, robot pillows and so on um they sound very fatty did you find anything in your in your book techno sleep that you thought this is something that we should all be doing in terms of improving our sleep this this technology or this um this uh, approach is both scientifically proven i've tried it and uh And it's definitely good for us.
1: So I was really excited about the the care robots. I thought that that sounded fantastic. Um, So what
0: do they do exactly, these care robots? um,
1: I think for a lot of the studies I've read, they're being designed to kind of watch over people in care homes, for example. Um, (laughs) Creepy
0: as hell. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but when you look into actually the technology i think our imagination of what a care robot is um like some some kind of android creature roaming a care home that's really not what they are at all they're they're more like sensors embedded in pillows and in fabrics um, and just networked kind of pieces of tech that aren't kind of humanoid care care workers um, there's some quite cute little cuddly pet things as well robotic pets that people can cuddle to to help them feel it supported. sounds very Japanese. Yeah, um, Japan has been a for, a forerunner at the forefront of this, for sure. Um, and they it, it can be quite useful, actually. You know, if you're in a, a care home with people with dementia who might get out of bed, go for a wander at night, and just to set off in a little alarm or let staff know where people are. So I can really see the benefits of it. And I really, really wanted to find evidence in the scientific literature that this was a good thing, that this was helping people, that this was our future. Um, But actually, all the studies that I've read have found that people don't really like them that much. Um, They don't really want to have robots in their bedrooms, that the robots that have been developed, they kind of lack the warmth and compassion of an actual human caregiver. Mm. And that's what people want and what people need. Um, So while they're used initially, they end up being pushed aside or they're locked in the cupboard or they're forgotten about. So... I can't see a big transformation at the moment, um, but it's one to watch. It's definitely one to watch for the future.
0: There's a sci-fi movie based around that care about being locked in the cupboard and not being allowed to perform its function. I, I know someone is writing <laughs> that movie right now. Um, so uh, in terms of the, you know, the blue light and all that sort of stuff, and, and uh, you know, I know we've we've covered it on this program and lots of other things, uh, uh, Programs cover this, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But the 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 science on, you know, looking at your mobile phone straight before bed, which I do, and first thing in the morning, which I do, how bad is it really?
1: Well, studies have shown that it is. uh, It it does kind of knock your sleep cycle off kilter. So that blue light is having an effect on our sleep. It is transforming our sleep, kind of silently um, behind the scenes. But I think the tech companies know that as well. So there's things that are being developed like ambient light filters for your mobile phone. Um, So you can have amber light instead of blue light exposure and so forth. So um, I wouldn't say we're all necessarily going to have to give up the technology in our bedrooms. The answer seems to be that the tech companies are developing more tech and we're getting more more tech in our bedrooms instead. But... um, you know, it's up to people whether they engage with those those things or not. You know, you've always got that choice to to uh, abandon them if you don't find them useful. Yeah,
0: um, is it possible that um, in worrying about getting the perfect sleep, we we we've we've got some people um, who are developing an unhealthy preoccupation with all these things, like the perfect nutrition, and and get and, and that stress is actually affecting their ability to get the sleep they're looking for.
1: Yeah, so that's something that's also been written about, um, like this, this chronorexia, it's been called. So people kind of getting um, obsessed with their sleep data, with their sleep scores, getting that perfect sleep, and then that kind of playing on the mind, and then you can't get the sleep because you're too anxious about trying to have perfect <laughs> sleep. Where, you know, I think we all we all know what good sleep feels like, And that's one of the interesting things about studying sleep that it is, it's it is this kind of intangible thing. Like, how do we grasp hold of what sleep is? So we might be able to see our sleep materialized through sleep trackers in these numbers and these pictures, but that isn't, you know, it doesn't get to the essence of it for me.
0: Yeah. Well, the book is called Techno Sleep. Frontiers, Fictions, Futures. Uh, the author is Katie Coveney. Katie, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Future
1: Proof Extra
0: with Jonathan McRae.
1: Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on
0: News Talk.